Welcome to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures, with thought leader and award-winning author, Yvette Bethel. This podcast provides you with insights and ideas you can use to reinvent your culture through trust and the principles of interconnectivity, flow, and balance. At a time when the world is rewriting the rules of work, traditional leadership practices are not enough. It's time to perceive persistent challenges through a new lens. It's time to evolve. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again. This is your host, Yvette Bethel, and the topic for this episode of Evolve is trust in the military. We have with us business owner and podcaster, Michael Dillard. Michael is a retired U.S. Navy submarine's chief petty officer. Or he was. Well, yeah, he is retired. <laughs> uh, he's a master trainer, specialist, and NFPA certified electrical safety compliance professional with over 20 years of military service. He's highly skilled in negotiation, quality assurance, project management, course development, contract administration, and more. With over 13 post naval years, of expertise in the electrical facility maintenance industry, Michael is a seven-time winner of the prestigious TEGG TAG. Is that how you say it? The TAG Diamond. Get that Diamond Award, an international award recognizing the top 1% of over 1,200 electrical consultants in the TAG ABM Global Network. So, hello, Michael. And welcome to Evolve. Aloha, Yvette. Aloha. <laughs> yeah, you're in Hawaii. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Have you? So uh, it's, it's, it's raining in Hawaii right now, but still beautiful. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, tell us a bit about the military. You spent some time there before you started your business of 13 years, and. Uh, I would love for you to share with our audience, you know, how, how you ended up there and mm-hmm. you left, how you kept current with what's going on in the military. Got it. Got it. You know, as ridiculous as this sounds, the reason I ended up in the military was because International House of Pancakes had an all-you-can-eat seafood combo. Again, I know that sounds ridiculous, but the backstory is that I was in, I was in gifted and talented classes, and our calculus teacher, in uh, I guess that would have been the twelfth, the eleventh grade. He said, "I'm going to treat you like college students," because he was also a professor at Rutgers University. So he said, "If you want to come in my class, come in my class. If you don't, you don't. All I ask is if you cut class, bring me some food back." <laughs> so me and my friends want to look cool, so we're like, "Hey, we're the nerds. You know, we'll cut class during gym." And we'll get some food from IHOP and then bring it back and eat it in his class. And so the only obstacle will say, well, how are we going to get out to the parking lot? And so the ad, the military entrance test ASVAB was being given on that day. So I'm like, hey, let's take the ASVAB test. We'll just Christmas tree it. You know, we'll just make a bunch of circles and just once we're finished, we'll run out, jump in the car and go to get the food and come back. So once what? I did that, of course, the military started knocking on my door, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I was going to join the Air Force, 
And then my recruiter went on vacation and the, the Navy nuclear program kind of popped up on my radar and I went with the Navy instead. Mm. So that's how I ended up in the Navy. And <laughs> to the second part of your question, how I stay relevant. Well, I'm still in Hawaii and you may not notice because you've never, I don't know that you've ever been to Hawaii, but it is full of military. It's, it's yeah. everywhere, everywhere you go. And so as a veteran, you know, I get all my health care and everything done through the VA. I have plenty of friends at my church VA. So I'm aware of what's still going on because people, you know, they complain and they kind of gripe. And then I, I see also what's going on in the news and whatever. So I, I kind of see how things have changed from Cold War era when I joined in 1987 to, you know, we'll just say post-COVID, post-COVID era. So there's it, been tremendous changes. So yeah, I'm still a, abreast of what's going on. Ah, so from your perspective, what's the importance of trust in the military? Why is this important even now? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, you know, honestly, like the whole, the whole concept of the military and the way that they train us from inception, which would be boot camp, to even after you get out and you retire, Everything is based on trust. So, you know, we have what we call a company commanders in the Marines. They might call them a drill sergeant or something like that. These are the people that you hit, typically see on TV yelling at people, you know, mm -hmm. making you do push-ups and stuff like that. So in boot camp, Navy boot camp, where I went, everything from the very first day teaches you about trusting the person to the left or to the right of you, the people in your company. Like you have to learn to depend upon these people. It also teaches you to trust in your superiors. So that would be the company commanders, but that's all to get you ready to go out to the fleet to trust your coworkers in different departments and your, you know, your chief petty officers and your officers above you that they're going to make the right call and have your back. So trust is super important and, and it's still important because the military is still the military, you know? Um, usually national security is hanging in the balance. People's lives are hanging in the balance. So you, it's super important to be able to trust that your superiors are actually, they have just reasons to send you on certain missions and, you know, that they care about you and, you know, you can trust them. Their motives are right. You know, their characters are right. So, so very important. So in the military, then it sounds like, uh, trust equates to being able to depend on uh is that correct absolutely and one thousand percent and and how is that different than trust in a for-profit organization uh, you've, done, wow. you've done both <laughs> yeah yeah great question so again so for the military like i said trust usually involves at the most simplistic basic level it's your life you know i was a submarine guy so if you're underwater at 800 plus feet or whatnot and you're in enemy territories you are trusting that someone is not going to be up playing the radio or you know taking a hammer and doing some work and banging on stuff so every you're you're dead whereas in the corporate sense when i see trust and now after having having done the corporate side for 13 years which is quite a night and day experience uh trust seems to be something that the corporations kind of bandy about it's always like a nice buzzword 
but I'm my position for what I do is kind of unique. So I'm boots on the ground with the maintenance staff, the people that are actually doing the work. But then I'm also the person that's talking to the C-suite people on, you know, liability and why they need to do these things and whatnot. And so I get to hear from the worker bees, so to speak, how they don't trust the people above them because they say one thing, but they constantly do another. They don't keep their words. And so to me, it seems like on a corporate sense, trust is, it's a nice concept, uh, but it's something that more or less goes by the wayside for the dollar, mm-hmm. you know? So totally it's kind different. of, it's, it's more expendable. Uh, you know, they can do it or not, but in the military, right. you have to. <laughs> You, you have because have it's to. life and life and death. Right. And I don't want to like steal thunder from some of your questions. So I'll just wait as you ask me questions. And if I don't hear something come, because I have a, a, a comment, but if, if it was going to like replace a question, it was going to ask me, maybe I should just wait to say it then. Go for it. I, go for it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been natural. Okay. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> So what I see today, I, I'll just call it post-COVID, post-COVID era, right? Um, what is it? It's, uh, what is it? Internet globalization? I think that was the term I learned in graduate school. So due to the internet, like in the, in the Cold War era, right? You were given orders by your superiors. You, you just trusted that uh, you know they had your best interests at heart and that everything was good, that you know they were upstanding people. Now they may not have been, but we didn't have real time live access to see these people's lives. You know, when stuff goes awry in their life and they get in trouble and whatnot. Whereas now there's so much distrust and not just the Navy, every every branch of the service, because it's it's well known, right? People have access to the internet to see what their chief commander in chief is doing president all the way down through the top military ranks and so on and so forth so there's so much distrust and dissension people don't really know nowadays why they're fighting you know can they even trust the mission that they're going on and why should they because well the people that are running this are suspect and not worthy of trust so I think that's uh, that's kind of where we are right now. Wow, that complicates things because in the military, uh, in running a mission, obviously people's lives are at stake. So how does that play out, uh, you know, in that context where they're going out there, they're not trusting that you, maybe even that the mission is something that's uh, <laughs> a sound or appropriate mission, how does that play out in their reality with such high risks and stakes? Well, I can tell you, even this is from experience. So even before I did retire from the military, I remember one of our last missions, uh, you know, the, the intel comes in and it goes to what we call the radio men. They get that and they're supposed to give it to the captain, the commanding officer. However, people are people and they're going to talk. And especially in an environment like a submarine, you, you may have only maybe 150 people if you have some guests riding you, but if not, maybe like 135 people. So it's kind of like a family. It's 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 a it's a trust. How would you say like an eco? It's an ecosystem. Ecosystem. Of trust, yeah. Right on a submarine. Right. Um, 
But I remember one of the last missions we had, the radio men were telling us, because they were friends of ours, and they're like, why is this mission coming from the, from the UN, from the United Nations? Like, basically, we're starting to go on missions that the UN is in control of, and we don't even know why we're going. So I know for those of us that knew, it was actually very troubling, and it was stressful because we didn't know where we were going until we got there. We didn't know why we were doing it, and also why the change in the command. Because usually we got our orders from the squadron. You know, our squadron commander tells us that came down from the admiral. But it, the missions changed. And then the UN started running, uh, calling a shot. I'm not saying they do that for every mission, but a, a couple of the missions I went on before I got out, they were in charge and we were very stressed out about it. Mm. But you, you said, how does this play out? Well, you're military, so you're trained to do a job. You train to do it basically in your sleep. So that way, if you're in danger of dying, like you will complete the mission. So you just do the job stressed and you get home and it's like, wow, I'm so glad we made it back. Like, okay. You know, so that's, and that was, that was at least 13 years ago. And so, you know, that has only amped up as far as the types of missions and what we're doing and how they're joint missions. And it's just a, I would imagine today's sailor or today's military person, that's something that they constantly have to deal with. It's, it's constant erosion of trust and there's got to be a low grade stress. Now let's talk about people that are actually in the battlefield. I'm a submariner. So at the most, you know, we're gonna launch missiles or we're gonna shoot torpedoes. But for the folks that are actually in combat, you know, there's bullets whizzing by their head. For those folks, to constantly have to struggle with, why am I even here? You know, why why would they send us to do this particular mission, right? And they're really looking kind of sideways at the government and all the officials above them. So that can cause you to hesitate. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you thoroughly believe wholeheartedly in the mission at hand and that is just, it's righteous, right? Okay, they're gonna salute, they're gonna execute. That's how we do it. But if you're struggling with it, you know, that that moment's bit of hesitation to get you killed because you you don't trust you know you think there's no integrity with your superiors they tell you to do x y and z maybe they really were telling you the right thing to do but if you don't trust that it could it could cost you your life or the lives of the people on your team right mm -hmm. so yeah, what i'm hearing there's trust at the individual relational level there's trust at the squadron level and then there's trust uh beyond that uh you know the people that it's trust or distrust in the people that make the decisions and call the shots so you have all these layers that you're describing of trust or distrust and uh that individual uh, military person is you know kind of if they're not in in a state of trust and comfort and you call, you called it depend dependability <laughs> yes it's something if they're not in that state uh, then um, what are some of the, you know, what's what are some of the outcomes of that level of stress, especially if it's prolonged? What happens in the military? Wow, definitely a great question. Uh, depression rates, mm. uh, suicide, alcohol, alcoholism, you know, increased divorce rates. Uh, let's let's talk about that. So. You know, when I was in the military, I was a married military person for a good portion of my career. 
And when you go out to see, I mean, it's no secret that people commit, you know, affairs, they have extramarital affairs and stuff like that. But it was very challenging because you see your leadership is doing a lot of the leadership, not all of them. You go out on town and you see the leaders doing this like, hey, wait a minute. Why is senior chief so-and-so? Why is commander blah, blah, blah with, that's not his wife, you know? So that's one of the things that plays out. People are very stressed. Um, there's gonna be probably more uh, adulterous relationships, spending. Mm -hmm. if, if there's a vice to be had, it's the vice is gonna come, it's gonna come to play. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, this is your host, Yvette Bethel, and we will be right back after this message. Organizational Soul is a mission-driven organization and network where we specialize in trust in academia, families, and organizations. We are building a community of leaders who are interested in trust and culture. If you are interested in our updates, you can sign up for our newsletter at orgsoul.com. As a thank you for joining our community, you can access our free resources that are designed to help you build your brand as a trusted leader as you contribute to safe space. Sign up now at orgsoul.com. So welcome back to Evolve. Our guest is business owner and podcaster, Michael Dillard. Welcome back, Michael. Thank you, Yvette, glad to be back. <laughs> All right, so um, I think my next question for you is really does, you talked about trust being built into the, um, what do you call it in the beginning, where they break boot down camp. the in boot camp. Yeah, it mm -hmm. gets built into that. But is it really trust or is it really control? Wow, I would <laughs> say that is twofold. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> I would say that it's a form of control that relies upon an individual's trust so once the trust is gone they lose that control mm -hmm. yeah so without without the trust there's just there's lack of control so i would say it's both i don't know if technically it could be both but that's how i'm looking at it mm. interesting yeah. because uh the military is a command and control model um right <laughs> so it really um are they you, you said something earlier that caused me to ask that question because um, I got the impression that people are questioning and not trusting, yet they're doing it. So when the right. trust dissipates, um, it seems like they are, you know, now relying on <laughs> the fact that, or they're forced to, to do it because that's uh, their job. That's, that's what I gathered from what you were saying. Well, I wouldn't say that there's they're forced, but there is a large amount of leverage that the upper chain of command can impose on someone. I'm not, you know, I'm, I wasn't always like the upstanding guy, right? So in my younger days, <laughs> I was kind of a bit of a, a rascal, right? So I would be the guy that would be questioning things. And I think it's kind of normal for people in America from the East Coast, New York, New Jersey. We tend to kind of have a strong sense of uh, self. Mm -hmm. And we kind of very, we read people really quickly. And mm -hmm. if we think that you're not for us, we're immediately in arms about it, right? Mm -hmm. And so there were many times that I got in trouble in my junior year and my, yeah, my younger years because 
I didn't necessarily think somebody had my best interests at heart and I would tell them and it wasn't always in the nicest of words, but um, I don't know if I'm actually answering the question going down memory lane, but. <laughs> it happens yeah. to me too once I started spending. I don't even remember where I was, but anyway. <laughs> I, you know, one of the things that uh, has come out um, of the research that I do with my business is that when it comes to trust, people are, I guess, in an emotionally intelligent or emotionally ready state for whatever's going on. So, you know, if there's some stressful uh, dynamics going on in the workplace, they are alert. I guess that's a, a very good, a, a better word to use. Um, and so what happens in, in uh, for-profit workplaces is the majority, there's a majority of people that complete the assessments that, that I offer that end up in a, an uh, alert state because they are emotionally charged by their environment for whatever reason, they're stressed. Now, what happens there is that uh, something that we call the we disposition is the lowest scoring competency cluster, meaning people are not really working together because they're not feeling safe. They are individuated and um, individual. Now, like taking that and applying it to the military, right? Uh, the, the trust serves to um, bring people together and, and, and you look at it as being dependable because as everyone's so interconnected <clears throat> on a mission that everyone has to depend on the other for their right. skill set. Um, so the question uh, really is, what's really going on? Are they uh, now in an emotionally unsafe space? Uh, or, and, and they're working together, but it's not because they trust each other it's, or trust the mission. In this case, it's the overarching mission that may be um, questionable for them, but you know they may not trust this. So what is at play? Are they actually working together, or are they um, just getting the work done because they're a piece of a, a part of a system, uh, and they just have to do their work? I don't. I don't know that we can actually delineate military like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very. I mean, it's an organism like any other organisms. I know, like you study systems, right? Uh, but it's so interwoven, you know? So, I mean, yeah, you could, you could get in trouble. They could bring punishment on you. But for the most part, a lot of the people that join the military believe, they believe in the overall goal of the military. Mm -hmm. And so there's something internal to them, regardless of whether they can trust the people or not. They, Core they value. Still, they, right, they may still believe mm -hmm. in the, the mission overall of the military and want to serve that. So, for example, mm -hmm. you know, every so many years you you shift to a different command, like in the Navy. OK, based on your job, I was a mechanic. So on a submarine, a mechanic is invaluable. Like you have to be there pretty much longer than everybody else. So that way, you know, every little part of the sub. So for me, my seashore rotation. So five years on. 
at sea on a submarine attached to that seagoing command, and then three years attached to a shore command. So we always knew that there was light at the end of the tunnel, right? Even if you're at a command and you don't trust most of the leadership, one of my leaders on the submarine was, it was well known he was an alcoholic. He would bring alcohol on the submarine, he'd hide it. The cooks would go on and find the empty bottles in his room. He'd come on the command and he would be drunk. Everybody in the crew knew it. Uh, he was an adulterer and everything else. So we, none of us trusted this man. And we could not wait until either he got transferred or we got transferred to a shore command because then it's like, okay, I'm so glad I'm not under him because he's going to get everybody killed. Right. So we always knew that there was, there was a way out, you know, even if you don't trust somebody, eventually you can leave because you still believe in the overall mission. So it's not like, hey, I need to get out of the Navy because I didn't trust this commander on this particular platform. I can leave and go to another platform and still carry out my mission because I believe in the overall sense of what we're doing as, as a military force. If that makes sense. So really. The mission is the binding factor, really. Uh, it sounds like not trust. Right. The mission is, but trust is, trust adds cohesiveness. It's like the glue, you know, because everyone's level of commitment to the overall mission is not the same, which it is not, mm-hmm. which it is not. Then when the trust erodes, everything starts to crumble right and so it really depends you'll need stronger leaders to step up that believe in the overall mission that believe in what we're doing and they're going to be counted on to kind of and they can use disciplinary actions i've been on both sides of that whip so to speak you know to make to not to make you do it but to kind of coerce you into doing it because if you don't want to do it you're not going to do it and i had to process many people off of submarines that didn't want to do it so they, they dealt with the punishment, whatever it was, whether it was uh, administrate administrative, you know, oh, we're going to take some money from you, oh, we're going to take a strike from you, oh, you're going to be restricted to quarters, whatever that was, to try and get them to, you know, kind of do a 180 and change their mind. And if they didn't want to do that, okay, well, you know, it can escalate as high up as it needs to go, mm-hmm. even to a court martial or, or serving time in prison, right? can't really make somebody do something. You can certainly put a ton of pressure on them, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Which is, which, and the military is really good for that. <laughs> Look, in my younger days, when I was going to a naval nuclear uh, field A school, I wanted to party all the time. I didn't want to study. So I would get in trouble. And then what they would do to make sure that you stop doing that, they say, well, you know what? We're going to take your weekend away. So what you're going to do on the weekend you're going to have fashion show. Now, what fashion show was, you basically, all your uniforms that you get when you come in the military, every like hour on the hour, you had to change clothes and muster for like just five minutes. They look you up and down and make sure you got all the right things, the uniform. They say, okay, that's good. See you in an hour. But that was fashion show. And it was like your whole day gone, right? So, I mean, they had many different creative ways to apply pressure so that you do your job. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is yeah. that? Oh wow. This is crazy. this is all like a whole new world for me. I'm like a kid in a candy store this conversation. <laughs> anyway, um 
When you were in the Navy, uh, you were responsible for diversity at some point. How yes. did you, um, I mean, it's morphed into something different than when you were there, but how right. did you build and sustain trust within the context of inclusion and diversity? What was some oh, of the challenges? Goodness. You know, the biggest challenge was always, initially, it was buy-in. It was it was a two way street. Like buy-in usually always needs to, I believe, it needs to occur at the top first. Like it's a top down thing, you know. And when I took over doing that program, it was like they always wanted it to be from the bottom up. And I'd have to say, like, it, it doesn't work that way, right? We got to buy in at the top. The leadership's got to buy in, and then we can start talking to the rest of the command to change the culture, and then eventually we'll get buy in from the bottom. So that was the hardest thing. So what I did, I was doing um, a diversity luncheon. So what, part of my job is what I would do is I would find like this, these top people in the field and the military has money. So I would fly them in, put them up in a hotel, fly them in, and then they would give a talk to our command. And then what I did afterwards was I'd have a luncheon, a diversity luncheon. And I would always put the commanding officer and the executive officer, because they're the one and two in command, right on either side of the guest speaker so that way you know they felt special they were honored you know they got to talk to the bigwig right and they loved it they loved it but from my my level my peers initially they didn't want to go and you know their people that wanted to go they were kind of like in hawaii we say they might give them stink eye you know they they would kind of force a certain amount of pressure on them to make them feel bad like you know, why are you going to waste time? You could be doing this work. You could be doing your qualifications. They made it hard for them to go. But like once I got the commanding officer and the XO to buy in, uh -huh. it, it was pretty much easy then because they used leverage. They put leverage on those, my peers, mm -hmm. to make them go and to make their people go. And then they started liking it. So then they, I got buying from everybody. It was embraced and accepted. And it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Like literally the programs I was doing, people on other bases, even in different branches, they wanted to emulate that. So I know it worked. It was successful, right? But it was hard at first getting the buy-in. That was the initial challenge. People thought it was nonsense, you know? <laughs> and in the military, anything that gets you out of work, you know, you're everyone else is working hard. And you're going to skip off into a nice air-conditioned office and eat snacks and talk about diversity. You're like, yeah, this is nonsense. You're bag. They call it bagging us. You're bagging us with work. You know. <laughs> so now there's even more pressure from all your peers because they think you're just trying to get out of work and stiff them with a bunch of extra work, right? So, uh -huh. yeah. yeah, there's a lot of dynamics to it. <laughs> That's the same elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as a final question, um, yeah. if you want to leave the audience with, you know, one piece of advice when it comes to any kind of work, uh, <laughs> trust in any situation, what would that be? Wow, I would definitely have to say that I believe that trust is, it's crucial, right? It's it's vital. If you, If you're trying to get something accomplished and there's more than just you involved, trust is vital. And I think that we always have to come from that perspective, right? Like, um, you want others to 
you want others to trust you, but are you trustworthy? So like your actions always, even after, even off the job, whether you're military or, you know, your corporate, what you do really matters. Like your words and your actions, they must line up. Trust just can't be a buzzword. Um, mm -hmm. It just can't. And especially if you're expecting people to follow you. So that's what I'll more succinctly put. If you're in leadership, don't expect people to trust you and don't expect people to follow you if you're not living a trustworthy life. In other words, if you know that your words and your actions don't line up, mm -hmm. then don't expect people to follow you. In the military, they would always tell us um, trust and integrity. That's what I say. Integrity is imagine the commanding officer or the admiral is there watching you do something. Now, would you work differently if the admiral is right there? So it's like, you always have to have that mindset. If you're corporate, then what about the CEO was there? And if you're the CEO, hey, you know, somebody that could hold you accountable, right? We just always have to be mindful of that because trust is, it's so important. And it seems like it's getting less and less important in the yes. world because yeah. integrity is eroding away. It's like people don't yeah. care. They just want money, but it yeah. does matter. It does matter. Even just how you feel about yourself when you know you're doing the right thing and your words are lining up with your actions, you feel better about yourself. I mean, I know I do. When I wasn't doing that, I felt lousy about myself and I lied mm -hmm. and said I felt good. But then when I really started making sure I walked the walk and talked the talk, I felt stronger as a person. I was whole and, you know, I wasn't all wishy-washy and people, people can tell that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Michael. Uh, this Thanks has been me on. this has been really an intriguing uh, interview just for me to get a sneak peek into the the Navy and you know how the military works. <laughs> so um, your your insights will certainly support our audience with building trust. And before we sign off, uh, can you share with us uh, how they can connect with you? Oh, absolutely. Please just reach out to me on email. Uh, Michael Dillard. That's D-I-L-L-A-R-D at MassiveKinetics.com. Kinetics, I spell with two Ks, so it's K-I-N-E-T-I-K-S. Thank you for listening to Evolve, reinventing leadership, building freedom cultures. Learn more about our proprietary trust, leadership, and culture courses and certifications at the IFB Academy. You can check them out at organizationalsoul.learnworlds.com. Dot com.